Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Dope Black Dads podcast, a place where we are changing the narrative and having progressive conversations about black fathers, as well as creating a safe digital space for the community. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is the Dope Black Dads podcast and thank you for joining us today. I am very excited today because I have two of the most prolific players that I've seen, I've seen play. And one that I haven't seen play, but I've heard from others that he was prolific in his time. Um, I am Donald Butcher, and today I will be talking to Mr. Marcus Gale, Mr. Michael Jubery, and Mr. Troy Townsend. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you all doing? Good morning. All good. All good. I'm just trying to work out who the two prolific were. Oh, yeah, I was, I was, yeah, was yeah. I was there, prolific. I was like, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I'll take that though. <laughs> I, I, I leave that. Girl, that's because you're assuming it's you. You're assuming I'm, I'm it's human. Uh, I'm trying to edge my way in, man, because <laughs> grassroots football don't count, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us on our podcast. Um, I think it's 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 amazing to have three black fathers, three black men on our podcast who I, I look up to quite a lot and follow follow their journey playing the game, being involved in the game, after the game, um, and you guys do a lot of various things. So I guess I, I, I'll open and start with those that don't know you. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about about who you are, um, and then we'll go straight into it. So I'll start with uh, you, Michael. Well, let's see. I have 500-plus first-team career games, clubs including Chelsea, Leeds, Reading, Stoke City, Fortunate enough to win three major honours while at Chelsea, Cup Winners' Cup, uh, League Cup and European Super Cup. Proud to have a 20-year career. And uh, yeah, that was my football journey. So North London boy that made good. So very happy with that. And that's me and my football career anyway. No, amazing. And about you, Marcus? Yeah, um, quite similar to, to do, just without as many trophies. 20-year uh, career. 700 matches, around 100 goals, um, play for Brentford, Wimbledon, Glasgow Rangers, Watford and back to, to Brentford to finish it off really um, in, in a roundabout way. Jamaican international um, in the World Cup of 1998, not much more after that really, just had a fruitful career in terms of the longevity of it, relatively stayed injury free so I could enjoy the, the most parts of that career but yeah, happy to just have that sort of career. I never dreamt in my wildest dreams that I would play around 700 matches as a professional footballer. Uh, uh, amazing. Um, Troy, Uncle Troy. Yeah, that's where the similarities end. Um, zero professional performances, zero goals, um, not even a substitute appearance. Um, 
so mine was a totally different um obviously experience i released yeah from millwall released from crystal palace before the age of 16 um to be no more to be totally honest i i you know back then it was very tough you didn't have well, listen we speak about agents i don't can't believe people have agents at 16 anyway but there was no guidance or no support to try and get me into the industry so I literally just played out my time after being released um, and getting my focus back because that was tough. Uh, playing with my friends, just just playing football on grassroots pitches, playing with a smile on my face and enjoying the game that way. I mean, the career of both Marcus and, and, and Michael is the career that I wanted, is the career that I foresee for myself and the career that most people were talking to me about, you know, talk, putting my name in that kind of platform. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it didn't materialise for me. Um, I have the privilege and obviously in, in terms of, you know, speaking to so many players now and educating right across the, the footballing structure. But, you know, there's a little piece of me, a little bit jealous of the two gents that are in front of me. Yeah, you know, I'd love to have come on for Marcus Gower. You know, I'd love to have been the substitute that came on for him and did a little bit better than what he did in that game. But it, it, it wasn't to be. So, that's yeah, a, that's, that's, that's assuming that he starts, right? You're assuming. Well, that yeah, 700 games is not bad. You know, I would have <laughs> taken one and, and got pulled off after 10 minutes, but at least it would have been on my record, you know? <laughs> no, look, I, I, and I think it's a good it's a good place there to kind of go in straight away with, you know, is there enough? We, we recently heard of, of, of the passing of, of Jeremy. Um, Jerry Wisdom, uh, may rest in peace. And... And and the, the the incident the the kind of I guess the what what had happened surrounded his death. He was he was a young player that was playing at, at Man City, <laughs> took his own life I believe um, after being released by Man by Man City. He was seventeen years old, and you know it's is there and, and I and I guess to go back to what you were saying, Troy is. How does it feel playing for a club and then being released by a club? And and what you know what is there around that club to support you as a player? You know, I guess back then was very different. But what what is it like now? What do you see when you speak to these young players? Well, I, can, I can tell you what it feels like. Um, it's devastating. You know, you know you've got to picture the fact that the reason you are at any club is because they think that you're good enough to be there. And you're spoken about, you know, all the terminology and language used about you is of excellence, is of how good you are, how good you can be, you know, what you'll do for this football club. And so, you know, as a youngster, you you take that back into any environment that you're in, you take that back into your school environment. And people start talking about you, you know, oh, that's the like guy that plays for Millwall, you know, even if they didn't know who you were, you take it back into other environments. And people, they're, 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 there's talk about you all the time. You're built up to be one of the best players, you know, in in the, you know, in the league, in the country, whatever it may be, you know, and that's, that's what happened to me. I, I, I believed in all the hype um, and it is hype. And I believed in all the hype because you're young, you're impressionable. When people say those good, everyone wants to hear good things about who they are. So when you hear those good things, you take it on board, you know, the devastation that I had of being released is that I had no one to turn to, you know, my parents weren't involved in my footballing journey. My brother wasn't involved in my footballing journey. I'm not even sure that I would have spoke to him, to be totally honest, in terms of the heartache, but they wasn't there. There are, listen, I don't want to knock clubs because the guys will know that, you know, there are there is aftercare in place, but no amount of aftercare is enough. No amount of appreciating that, that young players who are actually young people can suffer from mental health issues as well. 
you know, in Jeremy's case, Marcus, you know that we've seen Jeremy, don't you? That we, we've delivered to Man City and Jeremy would have been in our sessions, you know? When you think about his cohort or the, the cohort just above him, you're talking about Jaden Sancho, you're talking about Phil Foden, you're talking about Jeremy Fringpong up at Celtic. So he can see those players excelling. When you're in the Man City environment, you can look out of the window and see David Silva, Sergio Aguero, Raheem Sterling. So it's there. It's a great environment to be in, but everything is about being the best you can be and at the top level. So when you are then told, thanks, but no thanks. And I don't know how Jeremy was told, by the way. I know that he had an injury that impacted on his final year. And I know that obviously he didn't take it very well. He, he, he was injured so that when he had trials at other clubs, he wasn't functioning properly. He wasn't 100% fit. And then ultimately he said, I can't do this no more. I'm not going to, you know, I'll just drift out of the game. You know, but for a young man at 18 to contemplate even contemplate taking his own life because of rejection is something that this game... Jeremy's not the first, by the way. And at the moment, he won't be the last. So unless we approach this topic of mental health and make sure that it, the awareness raising is at a younger age, then we're yeah. going to be talking about this topic again, unfortunately. Uh, uh, Michael and, and Marcus, um, you, obviously, you, you're on the other end, I guess, of it, where you, you've, you've, there's this buzz and you, you've, you've had opportunity to play for clubs, Chelsea, Leeds, you know, Watford, Brentford. What what is your take on it when you see players like yourself, you know, and you feel your success, is there a pathway? Is there to even help you deal with that success and let alone deal with the rejection? You know, listen, the the path to the my five hundred grains wasn't without the no's and the rejections. And, you know, I'm currently putting together something that hopefully helps uh, young players like the Jeremy's because in the, the the journey there has to be a support network that's in place that you feel comfortable speaking and sharing that even if you're not going to tell that they can actually recognize a little bit of a sign that can they know your your baseline so if you're anything from that they can say something to you and ask you that that, that you can feel comfortable in speaking if it's not dad brother or mum it might be the coach from your grassroots club that you might be able to pick up the phone. So there needs to be a little bit more of a, um, these kids realising there's a support network. And like you say, when you're, you become this identity, oh, that's the baller. Hey, that's the Crystal Palace man. That's the Chelsea man. You're right. Good. Listen. And all they see is the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but no one's ever telling them in all in that saying, you know what? You do well to get to the rainbow, let alone the pot of gold. No one's ever saying that. They're just telling them the pot of gold into the rainbow. So if you have a, a support network that understands a little bit, that keeps you grounded, that keeps you, listen, work hard, yeah, I'm not trying to crush your dreams, but just be mindful that not everyone gets there. So when it does happen, the, 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 the fall isn't so, oh, do you know what I mean? You know, even though you see your peers going there, the fall isn't so big. And then he does realise, okay, there might be a different route to the, to, to get in there. And they realise that rather than the the, the, the case like Jeremy and, and many others, that, listen, football shouldn't be a reason that a family is crying and mourning for their child. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it shouldn't be that. So there, there has to be a little bit more, because what these youngsters don't understand is they're more resilient than they give themselves credit for. Like, because they hear more no's, they hear more, like, falling down, you know, they lose more races, they lose more, 
So they're actually losing more than they think. It's just that they're, they're so used to being told they've got to win, they've got to win, they've got to win, they forget that. So if, if someone sat him down and told him, actually, you're stronger than you think. Do you know what I mean? This process you're going through is just the process of your journey. So if he had someone, uh, you know, and I don't know his background, I don't know what he went home to, I don't know any of that sort of stuff, but not knowing that, if, but if he had a sort of network where he felt comfortable in speaking to someone that actually recognised it, someone that pulled him and sometimes, you know, young kids like that actually forced him to speak, then maybe there might be something different. So the, the rejections and, and, and the no's these kids fall from grace is because along that journey, there's no weight of reality and realism weighing them down. It's just let them go sky high. There's loads of them in there. And if one gets there, brilliant, pop, 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 pop. The others don't you know, it doesn't matter. So as long as there's someone weighing them down to reality, then that drop, if it has, happens, and statistically says <laughs> only a few will get up there anyway, but, you know, there needs to be something that weighs them down with a little bit of reality without crushing dreams. I'm not going to say that everyone crushed their dreams. That's their dreams, because I've had mine to crush everyone else. No, but here's a little reality with, with your dream. Just take that with you. You know, not everything happens in this. This is a storybook. It's great, the fairy tale. But here's a little bit of reality TV that you can watch as well that happens. You know what I mean? So if you give them that, do you know what I mean? Then they're more than versed and ready for whatever door they have to go through. Uh, how, how did you how did you deal with rejection, Michael? When 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 you were I guess when you were when you were playing, you would have had I'm guessing some kind of rejection to a certain level. How did you deal with it back then? And is there much of a difference now? I mean, I know what you're saying is is build all of this, but yeah. It's inter- it'll be interesting to know what it was like back then and how far football has come to meet in the middle with this. Okay, so um, rejection for me. My grassroots club, M4 Rangers, when I was 12, all my um, teammates were training at Spurs. I wasn't. So I, I was like one of the only ones there. I wasn't like sitting here, oh, I'm not going to stop. My thing was, you know what, I'm going to get there. So a the little bit of determination. When I got to Chelsea, as a schoolboy, a lot of these were England schoolboys and thingy moving on. And it didn't stop me from saying no, no, no. So there's a little bit within the personality. And if, if there's sort of someone to help mentor and get the determination out and telling these kids, if you want to be a player, then don't let no one crush your dreams. Don't let no one stop you. Because if you love football, you're going to play football. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and keep them so they're, the fire keeps burning in their passion because it's easy for it to douse out. So, you know what it's saying? You love football, right? That's Man City's opinion. But I'll tell you what, how many clubs are there? Okay, there's 92 other clubs. I'll tell you what, I guarantee one of them likes you. So what, three don't like you? So I guarantee you another 89 like you. So, and then you're keeping it and, and getting them to hear that, to hear that and to keep bringing it out of them rather than them in their own thoughts. Remember, we've all, as grown men, we, you know, we've been rejected by um, work, women, friends, and you then you, you, you simmer in your own thoughts. So none of them are ever good. It's only when you start to speak that someone tells you it's a little bit better. So at 16, when your whole dream was to be playing with your peers and in the first team and this and that, and now someone's saying to you, actually, you're not good enough. And maybe it's the first no they're ever here. Remember that, maybe the first time they've ever got rejected. Actually, no, you're not good enough. So when he hears that, if he's got someone around him, say, listen, don't worry about there, Man City, that's great. They don't like you, but don't worry about that. You're good enough for here and here and here and here. So it's how you handle rejection becomes individual. And if individual's not strong enough, 
there should be something where we can build them up. So along their journey from in the, entering the academy, hearing just yes, 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 that's not a good. That's not good for them. So I mean, you give we, our kids uh, when they're when they're ill, build up the immune system. So why are we not building up the immune system for rejection going through? It's just yes, 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 brilliant, yes, yes, yes. Until they don't want them, they're out. They get another one. Yes, 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 yes. So it's not it's not good. So just all the yeses sometimes ill prepares them for reality. So in that journey, there should be some reality in their coaching sessions. All right, well and good learning four four two. If you're going from full back to wing back, let's go back to a little bit of reality get some life skills, some values in there. The rejection is individual, but I think there's a lot that can be done in building them up. Remember, they get them in the academy from 11. So uh, we're saying, oh, what they're like when they're 18, how they had a rejection, but you've had them for like six, seven years. That's part of your due care to build them up, not just as a, f- a footballer to, oh, make their lungs better, to make their awareness better, to on and off the field, you're, you're building up young people. So we can do a lot more, but when they get to 18, if you then you do say, you know what? No, they're already prepared. Okay, cool. I'll look at something else. No, not good enough for you, but I guarantee I'm good enough for him, him and him. So I think there's a there's a process that we can be built up. They don't, they don't just get to 18. They don't just walk, they don't, they've got them from a long way and someone's right. had them from that age that, you know, we can do something more so they're a little bit more prepared. There's not enough reality. And when statistics, no, clubs know statistics. Clubs know how many people they let go from the getting this all these under 12s have got 20. They know they're only going to take two. They get, that means so they know the statistics they got. So let's build up people rather than just, oh, we're just going to prepare them for the first team. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't get in. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I want to widen the conversation a little bit and I want to go to Marcus and ask how are any of your kids, um, first of all, uh, pursuing a career in football? Uh, no. no. Okay. Yeah, not like me at all. They're not equipped well, to do what I've been at, at the same age. So yeah. I, I well, find I'm happy for them. I'm lucky to have a son, obviously, who is a professional footballer. And what about you, Michael? You said you. Yeah, my, my, my youngest is 12 and he's, he's at Luton. He's at Luton Academy. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's in, that, he's in that environment now. Okay. And I mean, I, this, is, this, this should be a question for everyone, but I guess I want to hear maybe a little bit from Marcus as well. Is, how if you had if your kids were pursuing football, um, mm-hmm. how how do you educate your kids on dealing with mental health and rejection based on your own experiences? Uh, just having daily talks with them. Even now with my son, we we talk about emotions. He's nineteen, um, and he feels happy to talk to me about how he feels, um, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And I think that's a that's a blessing for me. Is that we've got that understanding, we've got that communication in place. So what I do is we just talk about life and, and implement life skills with that. So as Michael's just said, it's to, it's to help deal with rejection and move on from rejection. Um, and those are the sort of things I tell him through my career. I know he gets bored of my career. Uh, you know, to be fair, I'll probably get bored of my career as well. But I'll give him examples of the things I had to go through and how I had to bounce back. And I had to have that sort of resolve in life and things ain't always going to be easy and plain sailing. You have to um, take the, the no's with the yeses as well. So um, just practical things, just daily talking with him, um, just so he's got that sort of confidence to feel free. He, he's got me as his father to talk to. Um, and I'm probably his first port of call, um, just outside of his mother as well. So he knows he's got that 
between us. Um, and I think that's vital because I, I didn't have that when I grew up. I remember when I first got the first sort of rejection at Brentford at 15, I was told this is going to be your last game. And um, by the way, you need to move from left wing to centre mid. And I just got pulled out of the change room, had the coach, the assistant and the physio with the scout, and just me at 15 on my own with them and being told this is your last game, which was like a shell shock to me. But I had to channel that into the right aggression. By the end of that game, I scored a hat-trick and I never heard anything else from the, the head scout or the coaches about releasing me. But even to this day, probably about 10 years ago, I told my mum about it. I'm now just turned 50. I only told my mum probably when I was 40 about that that bit of rejection. She was astonished that I didn't tell her, but I just didn't feel I was in the position or I didn't want to let her down with my goal because I was self-driven in football. I didn't have the parent, to, the parental support to push me and egg me on. I was very much independent and self-driven. So with that being said, I didn't feel I needed to push that responsibility onto her when I got that sort of bad news at that, that moment, um, I felt I could deal with it. And um, I've always been the same ever since. Mm, I mean, that, that's, that's quite interesting. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Um, I want to hear from, I guess, Troy. Um, your, your son is a professional football player. How, has, how have you supported him through his journey in knowing what football is like and on, from a mental health point of view and dealing with rejection? Oh, uh, listen, I think one of the best things that ever happened to, to Andros was rejection at eight. You know, so he was at Arsenal, uh, been there a year. Um, and then they said, basically, well, I'll tell you what they said. He was not going to be tall enough to play professional football. And he was eight. Um, so <laughs> I'm watching him train. I'm looking at his ability as an eight-year-old. I'm thinking, boy, my boy can play, you know. Um, and then you get the news that, yeah, we're not going to keep him on because he's not going to be tall enough to play professional football. As everyone on this platform will know, the cop-out excuse is is unbelievable. Some excuses are unbelievable. But for me, looking back in time, it was a trigger for success. You know, we, you know, when we left, don't worry about that. It's only Arsenal anyway. We're all talking to Paul. It's only Arsenal anyway. Who cares about Arsenal? Um, go back to your Sunday League club. Go and smash it again. This, this, It won't take long, yeah? And he was cool with it. You know, he was cool with it. He was cool with the fact that someone had told him that he wasn't going to be tall enough to play professional football at eight years of age. He was cool that he could go back with his friends and go and play football and play and, and just enjoy it again. Within three months, Spurs are knocking on the door. Um, we want you in with us. Most of his teammates have gone there anyway. And we were like, see, it, who cares about the opinion of Arsenal Football Club? We'd go and play Arsenal. He has a stormer every single time. The scout that scouted him into Arsenal, not the person that rejected him, said, I told them he should never have been released. So there's your boost of confidence straight away. So, you know, we had those conversations because you want to keep, when every time someone offers you that moment of rejection, they're questioning your ability. They're questioning the fact that you are a good player. So we kept that in his mindset. But don't worry about that. Look at your two feet. You play left foot, you play right foot, you've got skills that, that's second to none. Don't worry about that. And so it was all positive, positive, positive. Um, he goes back in the environment. You can tell he's one of the, the, the best players at Spurs as well. And at that age, you play with so much freedom 
new way. You're not bogged down with the, the, the tactical, technical, tactical side of the game. You play with a lot more freedom. Um, the next point was, I think it was about 14, when the old Spurs Academy manager, John Monker, now I didn't really get involved in terms, I'm a parent that, that used to watch from down the touchline. I don't get into all the parent conversations. I'm watching one player on the pitch. I don't care about anyone else. And anyone that says that they do is lying. I'm worried about my boy. <laughs> so I'm watching my boy and we get, we get, yeah, we're not sure about Andros, you know, we're, we're excuse me. I said, yeah, we're not sure. You know, he doesn't look like he's got a desire to play. And these guys will know, you should know, Jamie Slabber, who used to play for Spurs. And, and the, the academy manager then said, yeah, you know, he needs to be like a Jamie Slabber. I said, what do you mean? And he went, well, you know, you know, the ultimate desire of a player. Jamie Slabber got released from Spurs and went to Aldershot. No disrespect to Aldershot, but they're in the National League. And I said to myself, hold on, you're playing him on the left-hand side. So he didn't know that I knew about football. So I said, you're playing him on the left-hand side. You've got a right-footed fullback behind him who turns inside and always plays inside. But you're going to criticise my son, who's a year younger. But I said, cool, if that's how you're going to deal with it. And when I said that, he kind of went, oh, shit, this guy knows a bit about football. So, mm. you know, I, I, I kind of, that's cool, it's cool. And we went away and my missus took Andrus back to the next training session. And the, the kit man said, what are you doing here? Just imagine that. The kit man said, what are you doing here? She went, well, and Andrus is standing next to him. He's, he's come to train. Oh, he's, he's not training here no more. I said, excuse me? He's not training here no more. And... What she felt, so she went to see what she thought then was the academy manager still, and he'd been sacked. But he left a list that had Andros's name on it that was a question mark. So this list had gone round, and, and she approached Chris Ramsey, who we didn't know at the time, but Chris has just been appointed. And Chris went, yeah, he's on this list, but I'll tell you what, let's train, let him train, and we'll, we'll, we'll see. But this was the list we were left with. The minute Chris saw him train, train, Chris said, don't worry about that list, man. Told the list up and said, that's fine. He's here, you know. And, and his career went through the roof. John McDermott, Chris Ramsey, Alex Inglethorpe, believed in him, trusted him, played him up a year, focused on, honed on his ability, honed on his good bits, the bits that he could improve, and his career went through the roof. If John, John Monker had lasted one more day, he probably wouldn't have been at Spurs. But there was something about John Monker that they didn't like, and obviously, my missus came home and was fuming, but also was like, well, Spurs have said he's still there. And I think, you know, John McDermott uses his story in what he tells, continues to tell the young players. But we've always had this openness to this conversation. The problem is, not a problem, but obviously, when they become into their teenage years, they stop talking to you sometimes, don't they? And they take things on by themselves, you know, and they feel that they can deal with things that they don't have to involve the parent anymore because that macho culture within the industry now starts to hit them as well, you know? And, and, you know, when you're in a changing room, you hear stories and, yeah. you know, you don't want to be the one that's almost singled out as if to say, well, I spoke to my mum and dad about it because, you know, the comical nature of that changing room will be, what? You spoke to your mum and dad. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like forbidden, but we, we had that openness to, to talk and, and until the point where he did take it on himself and, owned his own space and and Andrews can be very vocal so there's times when you don't have to say anything or there's times when in your mannerisms he you know he, he knew at that age but that was the two experiences that he had that could have tipped either way to be totally honest but 
I think through what happened with me and us as parents, we always wanted to be involved, no matter if he was a professional footballer or if he was going to play the flute. We always wanted to be involved in what our children were doing. Yeah, no, that you know what? That's so interesting to hear all you guys talk about it like, that way because when I think about how I deal with my children and rejection, there's so many elements of what you're saying that filters into that. Rejection, not just the football, but applied in everything else in life, in kind of, you know, when, whether it be when you go to school, you're told you're not good enough to be an artist or you're not good enough to do ballet or whatever else. <laughs> is creating that that environment where they can talk to you about everything and kind of, you know, make make your home and make you as a parent their North Star so they're able to kind of open up to you and, and be vocal about everything and anything. Listen, my, my dad was like, I think my dad, he was like, boy, I think he'd be more proud of her play for the West Indies cricket team or become a jockey because I need to know the inside track on what to bet on. So <laughs> my dad was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So my, there was no pressure from that sense. I played yeah. with no pressure. My mum was just like, okay, be the best you can be. Like, so there was no pressure. But having to have that sort of stuff where your dad and your mum are like, looking, you better go and play for Chelsea. And, he, and when they let go at 15, the kid's like, don't want to go home. So there's all them sort of stories. Do you know what I mean? And they're publicly saying it to a newspaper. Mum's talking about he's he's paying for my future. All the sacrifices that I've made is he has to make it. One woman's talking about the lifestyle that she needs to leave. Awesome car, lead, and he's paying for it. So if he don't make it, he's let her down. And I'm thinking to myself, you know that in the next year, if his dream is crushed, what does that say about the parent-child relationship? Yeah. If his dream is crushed because he's deemed not good enough and she's publicly said, he's paying for my future. You know, yeah. how do you think I get this fancy bag? I need to maintain it. How do you his, his dream, what happens then? What happens to that relationship? Yeah. Imagine being the son that opens up that newspaper and reads, you know what it's like. The kids yeah. will be saying, oh, we saw your mum in the paper the other day. And you read yeah. the paper and mum's saying about <clears throat> you're responsible for her lifestyle. It's madness. What kind of shit is that? It's, 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 get, it's getting like it's getting like um, American NFL, where because yeah. they see the rewards and the riches, yeah. every parent's like, "Oh, that's us, and we're all set mm. for life." And now you're going to fund the whole of the family because they see mm. they see the big wages. So it's getting like the NFL, and and the way the parents are structuring, they put everything to their kids. It, so it's 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 scary. That's what mm. I mean. And and there was there was another one where <laughs> mum and dad used to take separate cars to go and watch their son play. Yeah. Because the mum would be the one that, that gives him his sandwiches and make sure he's all right. And the, on the way home, the dad would drive him home because he wanted to dissect his game and decide whether he was getting McDonald's or not. Do you know what I mean? And those yeah. kind of... Honestly, dudes, we hear some... Marcus, isn't it? Some horrendous stories. Man. And we're trying to say to them, do you know what you're doing to your children? Do you... The children, by the way. Let's remember that. Not footballers. Children. You know but what, why are the parents not listening? Don't I don't get it. Why? 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 When? When? You, because when you football parents... presents this dream, Donald. Football presents this million-dollar dream. Everyone thinks they can play for the top twenty teams. By the way, every parent thinks that their child is good enough to play for the top twenty teams. So it's a million-dollar industry. You think to yourself, boy, we've struggled all our lifetime. You know, look at how much money is on my son's head. Look at how much money my son could be bringing in. And it, it, they don't see rejection. They don't see the other side of it. And what they see is pounds and pence. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And for every good parent there is out there who, who is very level-headed and, and appreciates and understands that, by the way, it's, it's about 0.1% of players that make yeah. it in the industry, there's, there's those parents that are like, no, that is my ticket. <laughs> and then blame clubs as well who will say, you know what, if you sign for us, we can sort you out, you know. Mm. You want a house, we'll get you a house. That yeah. still happens. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. that still happens. I want to switch up the conversation a little bit and talk about race. We know it's Black History Month. We know the Premier League uh, has come up with this campaign or the Football League has come up with this campaign that talks about equality but I guess I want to I kind of want to hear from all you guys what you think about this and you know Southampton have come out and said we're not signing this because we've been hitting all these markers already anyway and we want to see the FA do something actually we want to see something from the FA I was listening to the radio yesterday and and uh I think it was it was Alan Brazil he said uh, we want to we we want to see change from the FA first how can the FA enforce something like this when when you look at the FA itself there isn't a black there isn't let's not let's not even call it fame because fame you know as, as I beg you please don't call it fame yeah <laughs> let's, let's stop, stop saying oh. that term ban <laughs> 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 I ain't no I ain't no bane man who's going to describe me as a bane man what does that nah, mean I hear that I'm a black, yeah, man. I'm a black man exactly oh, I get black that. men here so, yeah. so so tell me what what do you guys think what do you think Michael I mean and, and how that impacts on society even to be, to be honest, that um, the the Black Lives Movement in football, I, I'm fed up of like I've been 20 year career, fed up of gestures, right? So every preseason, the team photos, all right, now let's get the the signed cards, whatever. Every holding them up for pre- game, wear the t-shirts. It for me, it's gestures, like it's gestures because you're doing all this sort of stuff and you hear about in the stands and the terraces. It's gestures when when the people in positions of power can do something to show it's more than a gesture, we're doing something, they don't. But yeah, they want everyone to back their gestures to say that they've done their part. Wearing on the arm and, you know, great at the beginning to make uh, awareness that like, everyone's aware, you know, you've done it now, everyone's aware we kneel. Now we've got everyone's attention. Now it needs something done. We've, we've got the attention, now it needs something done. Everyone's kneeling down, great. Everyone's so the players are doing their bit, making everyone aware, drawing the attention of the Premier League, big massive platform. Now it's put in place for someone to do something. Okay, we're gonna hire this, we're gonna put this person in there, this person's gonna <coughs> be in charge. It's just pure gestures. So when I saw that QPR stopped kneeling, I was like, good, because it's just pure gestures. What you want us to do a gesture every game, it's just a gesture. Like there need to be something more. The, the attention's on it. It just needs to be actions now, pure talk. Like I've been in a game. That... What, what are those actions though? Because you've got, uh, you've got, you've got Troy. What are those actions? Because you've got the kick it out guys. You've got the bits that the, you've got the bits that the that the football league are trying to come out with. They would argue, 
right? That those are the actions. Those are the things that they're trying to do. And you know I, what, Donald? It could be. It could be. Like for me, if you're saying action, okay, to change the way of thinking inside the meetings, then get get a black man in there because that's gonna. Because at the moment, well, how are you gonna how are you gonna think? Okay, put it this way. Here's a, here's an analogy. Your six white cooks gonna cook for a Caribbean person, and you're gonna know what they all want just on the books you read. If you've got a black cook in there, he's gonna say no. This is and show you how you do it. So all of a sudden now, get someone of color, a black man in there, and say, listen, this is how we affect it. And all of a sudden, the, the ways of thinking, he's going to challenge their way of thinking from within that room. He's going to change the way they think. Do you know what I mean? So at the moment, the, 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 the same way of thinking and thinking is the same. And they're thinking they're thinking different. Just by make, oh, what we do, we're given that. We're given that. Yeah. No, man, get someone in the room that's going to get in there, that's going to change their way of thinking, that's going to challenge their way of thinking, has a way of thinking differently and said, listen, this is what you do. This is, I'm speaking for a black man. Sorry. No, go on, go on, Marcus. Like, it's conversation. I was going to just add to what Michael's saying because I totally agree. It, it is a lot of gestures. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk of positive change. But where that, that positive change is coming from, it's coming from the very bottom of clubs and, in, and industry. That's where they want to make the changes. But for me, you've got to turn it upside down. You've got to make the changes at the top. And as Michael said, you need, you need black voices in the right places, in the boardroom. Because I'm, I'm sick and tired of hearing the same old chat. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it's all about a time game. I, I don't trust people when they say all that. Because that just gives them more time to manoeuvre themselves into a position that you could have had and you won't get no more. So change has to be at the top. We all hate the, 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 the verse BAME. Um, my challenge to anybody out there is what does the B stand in BAME for? And that's boardroom level. So you can't claim that your boardroom is BAME because what does the letter B stand for in BAME? It stands for black. If you ain't got someone that's black in there, your boardroom does not cover that, that verse that you've come out with. You might as well just break it away and then call it something else. But Do you think, do you think the players need to do more? Do you think... Right. Go, go, can I, go, can go, I come go. in before the yeah, players? Can I come in for the yeah, players? Because I hear what, what Michael and Marcus are saying. I'm a, I'm a little bit different but I'm not going to disrespect anybody that, that chooses. So Queen's Park, right? How can anyone disrespect Queen's Park Rangers? The mm. club that absolutely is up there when it talks about representation in terms of the ballroom, the coaching circles, the academy, no disrespect. I still like the power of the knee because as far as I'm concerned, since the end of May, when the players started taking the knee, nothing has changed. So now I'm endorsing what both are saying. Absolutely nothing has changed. So keep pushing the knee in their face to say that we're still doing it, we're still here, because you haven't affected any kind of change in our industry, why I need to stand up and, and actually acknowledge what you've done. We've seen athletics, you know, athletics didn't go through a process. They just named Christian Malcolm. We're now going to put a black man at the head of our industry. They just named Christian Malcolm. Tennis are doing the same. You look at the power of what Lewis Hamilton is doing. He started a commission. But yet we, when we put together any structure, Gary Neville's put together a structure to challenge, you know, the, the, the Project Big Six. There's not one black player on there. There's two uh, black women, none of them from football. And I don't understand how you can do that. So the experience of the black player that both have quite eloquently put across, we're not interested. And the game's not interested because it's scared. It's scared of the knowledge. It's scared of their influence. It's scared of how they can talk to one third of the football environment 
and it doesn't want the black experience. So this leadership diversity code that the FA have put out and everything, it may get some change somewhere, <clears throat> but as Southampton have done, they've said, you know what, we've been doing stuff forever. We've been doing stuff. For so, so actually your code needs to be for everybody else, not us. And by the way, at the moment, there's only 40 clubs that have signed up out of 92 plus uh, the female game as well. So actually, hold on. And, and the question that I always saw, and you're right, what, what FA, Premier League, EFL, uh, PFA, uh, LMA, when you look at those power structures and look at the leadership on those power structures, there ain't people like us four in there. We've got no representation. We've got five, four black managers, one minority ethnic out of 92. We've got two boardroom members, male boardroom members, okay, out of 92. And you telling me that you're trying to affect change when your figures are so embarrassingly low and then want to group us all together in this acronym that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Because actually the power should be with us. But then how, how, how would this ever change? This is the, the question is, and I think you can see the exact same stats that you guys are talking about in, in, in kind of, um, in, in, the, in companies, in FTSE 250 companies, in, in throughout society, the exact same thing is happening. And it's quite, when you look at it, it's, it, it works in tandem with, you know, football has this amazing thing to go, whatever society does seems to always happen in football roughly around the same time, right? So, not on race, not on race. Not, football doesn't well, appreciate race. Football well, does it, not work. The black players, those players, they're good enough to be entertainers, okay? They're happy that they're on the football pitch and entertaining and getting all the plaudits. But again, remember, <clears throat> they're not deemed intelligent enough to transfer that experience into the next level, the management level, the coaching level, the boardroom level. They're not deemed intelligent enough. That's what it is. They're deemed as, ah, oh, we'll pay our money to watch them. We'll put them on our, on, on our posters as, as, and hold them up there. But when it comes to intelligence, you tell me the last black player they thought was intelligent. And when I say they, you know who I'm talking about. Mm. So until they can start, start appreciating our contributions and allow us to influence in those environments, then nothing ain't changing. It ain't changing. And if it doesn't change from the top, like Marcus said, from all those organisations that actually hold <laughs> the power, then it ain't, it ain't changing. So there's, how... Go on. There's a, there's a link I'll, I'll send to everybody as well. It's called the colour of power. And when you see that... Don't look at that link because it will drive you mad. Don't look at that link. <laughs> it will drive you mad. <laughs> what we live in in this, in this society here. We are... We are if we are in those elite circles of leadership, it clearly shows where we stand within that elite circle. We're not at the table, we're underneath the table. Yeah. Everybody that is in the front rows or whatever, at the top, they're all white. And every picture that you see where there's a black person, they're at the very bottom. That tells me all I need to know is that, yes, you might have a black face in there, but you know what? You're underneath the table. You're at the very bottom of this elite little circle. And that's, that's systematic of football as well. We have to have, as Troy said, there's only two black boardroom members out of 92. And we're talking about change. That's what I said earlier. We're trying to change the bottom of the pyramid where there's the multitude of people, the fans, the players and all that. Yes, we're doing well with all that. But where it comes to that leadership segment, we're cut out from that. We, we're, we're, clubs would rather have people that are Asian talking on our behalf. That infuriates me. 
I don't know no one talking about from my perspective other than me <laughs> and people that look like me. I think that's a disrespect that goes around and that needs to be, and I will personally challenge that in my daily walk with, with people that I, I work around and I say, look, I'm not having that because that can't be standing no more. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Change any culture, you change it from the top down. You don't change a culture from the bottom up. It's never, it's never been done. Everyone knows that. So yeah. hence why they don't want any change at the top because that starts when the, the culture changes. And when I give out stats to people as well, global stats about fame, there's 7.8 billion on the planet and 5.9 billion are black and Asian. So who are the minorities? When we hear the politics about so-called vaccine, I know we're going off topic, they're talking about vaccinating the minorities first, but who are the real minorities globally? It's not us. We've always been the majority. We've always been the talent. We've always been the ones they come to. No matter where you look in this this planet, everything is a replica from our existence. But we'd have to pay the ultimate price for for our goods and resources the long way around things. So we we need to collaborate and get people together to force the change. Otherwise, we just create our own change and, and take over our own stuff and they'll have to come back to us. The thing is, we do that anyway. You know, I used to do my own thing. Dudes, you're doing your own thing now. and You're not waiting for nobody, are you? You're doing your own thing. That's what we do. We just go, you, you know what? We don't just sit down here and moan. We just go on and do our own thing and affect our community and our people in our, in our own way because the game won't, won't allow us to affect the bigger picture. So what we do, we influence in our, in our own environment what Dudes is doing, what me and Marcus do. We influence in that way. And then we'll grow a culture of, we're not accepting what used to happen to you guys. We appreciate that you are the ones that have paved the, the kind of the, the journey for us, but we, we won't accept what you had to put up with anymore. And that's why you were going to move on to players, Donald. That's why for me, see the power of those player voices now. You see what Marcus Rashford is doing? Make, but then that's the what... You know the government are cussing. Wow. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Black boy, come here now and, and make us change everything that we're doing and, <laughs> and get million signatures. And they are cussing. No, you I get that. that. And, and then this is what I, this is what I was going to go on to say is, and ask you guys that played at, at, at that top level, how much power does the player have? I mean, it's clear to see, like I said, the likes of Rashford, like you said, Troy, has got that power to change. And I've spoken to you, Marcus, before, when we talked about, like, if the black premiership players decided to walk off the field and boycott a game every other weekend until something changed, Surely we would see some change, no? We have to affect their power, which is the economics. There's a value with all of us, no matter what background we got, but the black player's power is probably the most valuable out there and vital out there. Because just imagine if the whole of Europe <laughs> and Britain included um, boycotted. Every black player just boycotted. That's going to affect them somehow. It's going to affect the, the marketing, the sponsorship, TV rights, they're, they're going to have to. And at the same time, it's going to draw out of the shadows the real powers that be. And we're going to actually see who's anti-black in this world because it's just not from one demographic. We're getting bombarded from every other culture. There's a definite anti-black agenda that goes on and people can hide in their little shadows and, and say, yes, we're doing this, we're doing that. No, they're not. They ain't doing nothing. Until if we don't sort out racism towards black people, this whole planet ain't going to get fixed. But if you fix racism with black people, 
everything is sweet. That 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 I I, I mean, I don't even I got no words for that. Um, I want to hear what 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 you've been doing, Michael. Um, Troy mentioned earlier on that you're doing your own thing. What what is that own thing, and how can how can people get involved in that? Well, my own thing. I, I've so since my coming out of football, um, I've become an executive coach and you know coaching people. I love helping people. Um, so as much as I go into the corporate world, I'm still coming into the football academies and trying to help uh, young players on their journey. Um, so, and in fact, I'm sitting here now and I'm, I'm going to have a conversation with Troy and Marcus um, another time off, off this camera on the, the project and ideas I have with, with what happened to Jeremy. So I just want to, I like helping young players. We all have got experience. And if we can give them the tools that help them, equip them, you know, the players going to make mistakes. Players are going to have to learn. But giving them the tools, the, I know it's, it's some. Sometimes when you're speaking, there's so many words that people throw around, like the mindset, building up their resilience, you know, their passion and determination, all that. So they have most of them have talent. You know what? Like I always say, talent ain't enough. It's a small. It's a. Listen, there's many talented players that we see that never made it. That's walking the road angry and bitter because their talent wasn't enough and they didn't have the other tools, the guidance, the the someone, the mindset, whatever it is. So that's what I do in essence. So I, I did, made my company Made Leaders three years ago and it's, it's it's a struggle. Like I'm 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 an executive coach in a world where the executive coach in the corporate world are 50 year old white men or women. Um, they, from when co companies want executive coach or someone coming in, they've got the HR, open up their book. They've got Paul who used to be Who's cousin of Dave, who walked the Queen's corgi six years ago? <laughs> and tells the story how walking I'm buying a corgi, you know, because I want my corgi walked as well. You know that. <laughs> and, and, and he tells the story of how walking the corgi every day made sound so strong. Or he just talks about a story he's heard, but they hire him, and they think that's that's the thing. So you know, the, the perception of a, a footballer is what's it, what can he offer me? He's he's he's, he's thick. He's stupid. Is always in trouble. Oh, black one as well. Uh, they see me, six foot, big, black. Mm, uh, yeah, I don't know. So sometimes we don't get the, the call. So I'm breaking down doors already. But my okay. idea is breaking down the doors. So the next footballer that thinks, actually, I don't want to be media. I don't want to go into coaching. I like the idea of helping people and taking what I've known in football to go in the corporate mm. world. Now he's got this pathway. Oh, he done it pick up the phone, speak to me, or just look at my path and knock down the doors and where people already know that actually footballers have more to offer. Let me tell you this now. Footballers have more to offer than people think. Do you uh, know what yeah. I mean? People have more to offer than people think. So if people start their ears perking up, just because I'm not the rugby player that went to university and had this education, life skills in itself, the journey, you know, to get to, to Marcus playing 700 games, let me tell you the amount of no's he had and rejection he had, don't ever, like the, the, this, the World Cup's now, it's really good, it's glorified, it's, but the amount of rejection and no's and people telling him, nah, yeah, mm, all that story to get to where he got, there's so many qualities and traits in there. Do you know what? And the other thing is, you see that environment, so that environment where our young players are growing in, yet they can't see us. So a, a club who I won't name, because actually they turned it around, they used to work with a school and their, their players went to the school, 13s, 14s, went to the school. 
So the PE teacher who's not connected to the football club, it's only three years ago, by the way, decided to have a blacks versus whites game. That would be a great idea as a PE session. Let's have blacks versus whites. So you know what happened in it, because no game, first of all, is going to finish without controversy. You make it black v white, bam, <laughs> finished. So the players are fighting each other. The PE teacher is oblivious to it all. The 15s and 16s, the older age group, are in the school as well. So the black players run to the black 15s, 16s. The white players run to the white 15s, 16s. So now you've got 13, 14, 15, 16s having this rah with each other. They walk into training, everybody vexed. Football club, what's going on here? What's, what's that? <laughs> Troy gets a call. I go in with the 13s and 14s, who are apparently exceptional 13s, exceptional age group, three black boys in there. I go in, I open my mouth. All I, I think all I said was hello. The three black boys were like that. They'd never seen a mm. black man in their environment and couldn't wait for me to speak. Right? They were like that. I had white, young white boys saying, I would not walk off a football pitch if he, he was racially abused. I ain't walking off for him. I had the next one in tears, another white boy in tears. Well, these three black boys are now sitting up proud because all of a sudden they've got someone in the room who hears what they have to say, who appreciates what they have to say, who talks in a language that their mum and dad taught them. So they grew with, with confidence because now the white players now are not seeing a white figure that can support them at the, well, they believe, can support them at the front of the, the room. So they're now cowering a little bit. To be fair, six weeks later, as a group, bam, knitted tight, we've realised mistakes, this, that and the other. We're all as one and they wrote some very powerful stuff on the board. I then did a session with the staff, 80 members of staff, 82 members of staff, Premier League club, by the way. One mixed race, part-time man. Two mixed race, part-time females, coaches. 79 white people. And yet they're saying to me, their academy is diverse. Their academy, we've won awards. And I'm thinking to myself, so if I'm a black player in this, in this football club now, who do I look at? Who do I turn to? Who do I ask? That's the power of what Michael's doing is because we're breaking down those molds and barriers where the white person is deemed superior. I don't want to walk no corgi for a man to give me a job, you know. <laughs> I want to talk from my experience so that people listen and then realise, you know what, Troy, he, oh man, listen to what he says. I could sit here all day. I know we've got to finish it. I could sit here all day because listening to, to all right, I hear Marcus all the time, get a little bit fed up sometimes, but I'm listening to him. But listening to <laughs> Michael, I'm now like, my God, we, we have got to start taking ownership collectively of what we do in our own Let's. I don't care that the, the Premier League is all white. I'm not, I'm not interested no more because then people don't listen to us no more. I'm worried about how we can influence and where we can influence in our own space and own time with our own, in the way that we speak, you know, and our own and, and the way that we can influence because our young people are desperate to hear from us. Desperate. Look at that. Three years later on, Liverpool went on to win the league. Wow, that that's that's that was very close. Very close. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I, I, I know we've run out of time. I just wanted to get. I know I was going to ask for your starting eleven black players, but I think I'm going to ask you your top black play, 
British black player. Wrong, man. That's, that's one. Cool. I'll let Michael and Marcus go first. That's that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Anyway. You know what? I'm not even. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say that. I'm gonna say my eleven. I got mine written down. All oh, right. Yeah. Right, homework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm prepared. It's in failure to prepare. Prepared to fail. I might, I might nick your goalkeeper. Wow. Nick your goalkeeper. <laughs> so my goalkeeper. Right? Privilege. I'm playing. I'm playing a. I have to play a, a five-two-three. Yeah, just to get everyone in the team. So, <laughs> I'll go for goalkeeper David James. My right back, my right wing back, Viv Anderson, has to be Viv Anderson. I played three at the back, there would be Des Walker. I love Des Walker, was my hero growing up. Never beat Des Walker. Um, in the middle of that would be Rio. And in the other side of him would be Seoul. I had to have all three of them in there. I couldn't leave one of them out. Left side wing back, obviously Ashley, 100 plus caps. The two midfield have to be Johnny Barnes. Give the ball to Johnny Barnes. Give the ball to Johnny Barnes. I have to give the ball to Johnny Barnes. <laughs> right. And then next to him will be Paul Lintz. Do you know what I mean? Um, and up front, my three are going up front. Emil, grab Emil. Uh, Righty and Andy Cole. That's my team. That's my team. Bad team. Bad team. That's a very good team, I've got to say. Uh, that's, you know, a, that's a very defensive fair, team. There's not enough meat fair. in midfield. Yeah, but to be fair, I think I could, you know, a couple of players in the round that team while they all glory up top, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> yeah, that's no, all I'm going to say. There's some great names. Listen, I'm not even going to knock any of the names, but I'm going to add I'm going to add a few just because they're, they're yeah. personal to me and heroes of mine, man. Cyril. Sir yeah, Cyril. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Laurie Cunningham. Laurie. Have to, because I want... I want a man that dazzle. Um, <laughs> and do you know what? That's a great shout about Soul because so many people are so negative about Soul Campbell, yeah? Joke. So many people so negative. The way that he left Spurs, the way that he talks, the way that he manages, the way that he coaches. I'm telling you, is there a better centre-back? And we can argue that because Des is brilliant. Rio is brilliant. But you see Soul, Boy, I, I, for me... It, as a, as a typical centre-half, that's the man. But with Des and, uh, Des and Rio around him, if they can see goals, I'm asking why. I'm yeah, asking yeah, yeah. why. But I'm just going to add Cyril and, and Laurie to that. Um, and I'm going to put Vince Hilaire on the bench. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> okay. What you, got? what you got, Marcus Gal? What you got? <laughs> Target man. I can't, even, I can't even top that. I can't even top it. Me growing up, my favourite player was John Barnes in my teenage years. Um, I played left wing. I modelled my game on him to start with. A uh, lot of admiration for him as a player. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go too far. I, I, I think, as, as Troy touched on, people like Saul Regis that came through those barriers and, and showed us that sort of resilience. But there's people before him, there's Clyde Best, um, you know, we was on a webinar with him a few weeks ago and said, like, for what he had to go through, he had to go through it alone. So whatever we've gone through in our career, we didn't have to go through it really alone because there was a volume of players around us. But when you think of what Clyde went through, he had to basically go through that alone as a black man. So for me, I, I would have him up, up in there. I would have to slightly move off Emil and put him up top just to give us that extra little beef as a target man. But um, Emil can be bench anyway. <laughs> Yeah. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell Paul Cunnerville he didn't make your team. He didn't make your team. No, no, no. He's on the bench. He's on the bench. He's on the bench, man. Can go bench. Especially you, Michael. Especially you. No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> like, Canners, listen, Canners has done well. 
because listen, we all know that there's there's people that done the barriers. I always speak to people. I always said that those players broke the barriers. So I played with a sense of freedom. I didn't have to have any. The only stick I got was saying "boo, you're rubbish," right? So I never had not that. So they played. They made me play with a sense of freedom. And I always believed that that generation paved the way. So my generation played the sense of freedom, and my generation kind of paved the way. So this generation played even more freedom of acceptance. And I always thought that. In, we talk about the management stuff. I thought that the, the, the management ideas, you know, that the Incy's, the John Barnes, and, you know, getting the, that they would, they would break down doors. So then the next barrage of managers, black managers coming through, but it hasn't happened like that. It hasn't happened like that. So we understand. So the Canners, Canners took the thing for the Chelsea. So I played at Chelsea with not even knowing about the racist stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The Cyril Regis, and they, they done that. Viv Anderson, I put Viv in there because the first black man played for England. Excellent, do you know what I mean? So everyone else can follow, do you know what I mean? So there's all the people that I appreciate where I'm at now because there's others that had to just walk that path, that gauntlet, you know, and hear them sort of things that, listen, down walking down North London High Road, man can't say black this and black that without a little getting a thump in his nose. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if I went home and I said, what? And he said, what? Better go and find him. <laughs> you know I mean? So on the pitch, we have to show more restraint. Remember, we're proud people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But because of the environment, you have to show restraint. So I appreciate everything these people have done for me. But listen, Canada's not getting in that team, whatever he says. If you can argue, <laughs> there's no place, there's no place for Canada's. He can, sit, he can sit and stand next to me. I'm manager. <laughs> my sister, isn't it? I mean, and just, just rest his gold teeth next to me. So. <laughs> Listen, regardless, we could have picked two of those great teams and still left top people out. So that is very we'll, true. We'll go with Doobs and the bench. Yeah, but... <laughs> Listen, gentlemen, look, I, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, we could talk for hours because there's so much to talk about. But you know, it's clear to me that there is so much that there's so much that needs to change in the game. But it has to start with us. We are doing our, we're making the changes already and we need to come together as a community to keep making those changes and support each other. I can't wait for the day where I actually see a black manager, a black funded team, right, in the premiership. You know, you've got the likes of Bobby Kasanga, that's already, you know, Hackney Wick FC, who's, he owns the team, he's building the players and they're working their way up that ladder. You know, and I, I can't wait to see all of that. And I think in my lifetime, you know, you you gentlemen have paved the way and, and those that have come before you have paved the way for us to be able to, you know, see these changes as reality moving forward in the next in the next century, in the next decade. Right. So I wanna thank you very much for your contributions to all of us, to our community. Thank you for spending the time today talking to me. Um and look. It's been a Dope Black Dads podcast. Um, listen to us wherever you get your podcast from. Um, subscribe. Leave a review. How can the people get in touch with you guys if they wanted to get in touch with you? Um, madeleaders.co.uk. That's to get on me. My, so- my social handles are just literally town 10 like My social handles are town 10 Mine is... Mr. Marcus Gale on Twitter and Instagram. Amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Dope Black Dad podcast. Have a good weekend and we'll catch you guys next week.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.